This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another eventful week in Brooklyn Nets basketball. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. Oh, boy, where the hell do we start? All right, Kevin Durant's hurt again. Let's just start there. And this is why, and I know you feel this way, and a lot of Nets fans feel this way, and my wife even feels this way. Every time Kevin Durant falls on the floor, every time Kevin Durant is taking a jump shot, every time like someone breathes on Kevin Durant, we get nervous. And this is why, mm-hmm. because a, a, an injury, a contusion from a drive to the basket. And then I guess a foul where they were trapping him a minute later is now leading to us all panicking. This is why we're nervous about everything Kevin Durant does. And I noticed it the second he drove to the basket. And maybe I noticed this on every play he does, because I, like you said, I get really nervous. But I thought he was kind of like limping a little bit and it crossed my mind. But then I saw him walk over, go to the free throw line. I was like, ah, okay, everything's fine. But then, yeah, later on, it, it occurred again. And when that trap occurred by the Nets bench, issues happened. And from that moment on, I was like, I don't even, I mean, who cares what happens in this game? I want to win. But it's just all about Kevin Durant's health. And it was just, it was scary. And then you just think of all the hours, all the time, all the games, everything that's gone into it. It's all about the playoffs. And you're like, Boom, you just see it flash so fast. And, you know, you see these tweets come in from people and they say, like, Kevin Durant is out for the rest of the game. And I so I misread these things sometimes. I read them too fast and I get worried they say <laughs> the season. And it's just all just scary, scary stuff. And it's just, well, you're right, anytime you see him on the floor, you just get scared. You, you also knew that as soon as he left the game and he was limping uh, through the tunnel, which was a scary vision, you knew he wasn't coming back in the game. Like, of even course. if once he goes to the locker room, he's like, oh, yeah, I just did a funny bone. I'm good to go. They're not going to let him back in the game. No I mean, the Nets are going to be so cautious with everything. And I'd even say this right now. Like, I would be stunned if we saw Kevin Durant the next week. You know, even if this does turn out to be a minor thing, because they are just ultra cautious. But what scared me at first was I thought the hamstring again, of because course. he's holding the same leg. Uh, where he had the hamstring issue. And look, I'm no expert on body parts, so I don't know if he's literally holding his hamstring or I guess in my view, he's just holding the general direction of where I think his hamstring would be. But as a sports fan, we start to become a little bit more familiar with injuries and how they're labeled. When I heard contusion, that does make me feel a little bit better because isn't a contusion just a big bruise? Isn't that really all it is? 
Yes, it is. But I would be lying if I didn't start Googling contusion injury timelines. And I know a lot of other people did because all of a sudden I see people going, oh, yeah, a serious contusion injury is four to six weeks. If it's minor, it's one to two. And I was like, that's the stupid image I saw when I Googled and tried to figure out how long this guy would it could potentially be. Uh, so I don't want to rush to judgment on those things. You got to see what happens and see how he's actually feeling. But yes, contusion is just like a big, bad bruise and it's nothing more serious. So uh, I would expect him to be out a week because that's the way the Nets do things. But I do get worried about him just being so out of rhythm, a game here, a week off here, a game here, a week and a half off there, that it's just going to be impossible to find a rhythm he- for him. When he, he never, can, you know what? I, I got to say this about the guy. He never looks at a rhythm. That's I mean, it, the true. guy missed two months. He comes back and it's as if he hasn't skipped a beat. I mean, the biggest discussion we have about him is the fact that they make decisions, not playing him on back to backs. And even now, Oh wow. How many games is he going to miss? And, and certainly we question how's this team going to face adversity together when they never play together, which is a fair question. We ask it every single week. But every time KD comes back from missing time, it looks as if it never really affected him. So my only worry is this, besides what we've talked about in the past, is he suffering these injuries because of the time he missed and because of the nature of how serious the Achilles injury was? Like, is he more fragile right now because of everything he went through? I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know. The playoffs aren't a week. They're not a month. The playoffs are a long race. It starts in the middle of May, and it hopefully doesn't end until the middle of July. And your team is playing essentially every other day or every three days. Is he going to be able to get through that? So that that is a a thought I'm having. Now, granted, is he going to play through more when it's the playoffs? Sure. I mean, we talked Mm -hmm. about that with the hamstring issue. But I do wonder if not playing a lot of basketball over the last two years coming off the torn Achilles that he's come off of, if that is making him more fragile. And this is going to be something that's just going to scare the crap out of us constantly. I do think that having the previous injury then causes a trickle-down effect of more injuries happening, especially as you get older. I'm not saying that that, you know, one caused the other, but the body wears down and and things change for people and, and things become more difficult. And I do think they somehow have a, a linking effect in a linking part to each other. And I just hope that when he gets to the playoffs and they get to these moments that they can somehow push through it. And it does seem when you lay it out like that, Evan, I got to be honest, it seems impossible to think that Kevin Durant could go three months without having an injury. Uh, because that's what the playoffs would be. Like you said, if, if the Nets are going to make this serious run, it seems impossible to think that they could go that long without an injury. And that's why like, you can't, as frustrated as people get with the Nets and angry with the Nets for missing and back-to-backs, uh, they're trying to make this as smart as possible because they know that three-month pocket is the pocket that matters for them winning a championship. And as much as I want the number one seed and I want to you know, face the Hornets in the first round and not have to face the Heat or a team that's a, that's a much better team in a two, you know, a seven spot or a six spot, Ultimately, it's about them being healthy and and being in a right well, mindset or, bro, or else it doesn't even matter. You just laid out and, you know, Craig and I didn't get into this because I think it's a stupid argument. But I've heard so much on other sports talk radio shows and the talking head shows on TV kind of debating what the Nets are doing. 
And the biggest, as far as resting guys and, you know, giving Blake Griffin maintenance days, giving Kevin Durant maintenance days, not playing back-to-backs, how they handled the Philly situation. And what everybody misses is they're looking at it in the prism of just entertain me. I just want to watch something fun. They're not looking at it as a fan. And as a fan, for me and you and everybody listening, it's just about winning an NBA championship. And what I would say, and I'll do this very quickly because I think it's simple, all right? It's not that complicated. If you've got a really big issue with what the Nets are doing, don't blame the Nets, blame the league. Blame the league and make them do something to have the regular season matter more. And I'll give you one quick example with baseball. I hated the wild card for many, many years because to me, there was no difference between winning the wild card and winning the division. That's why when the Yankees and the Red Sox had a pennant race in 2005, no one remembers it. They actually finished in a tie and nobody remembers it. And no one remembers it because the Yankees and Red Sox didn't give a crap the final weekend of the year because there was no difference between winning the division and winning a wild card. And then Major League Baseball made this great decision. They said, let's add a second wild card. Now winning the division matters. Because if you win the wild card, your season comes down to one game. What Major League Baseball did brilliantly is they made the divisional races matter. I'm not going to sit here and go through ideas. That's for another podcast. But if you're that pissed off about the way the Nets and other teams handle the regular season, change the way the regular season occurs. Change the ramifications of being a one seed. Change how the playoff format is. Make the change that will force teams to have to think about the regular season differently the way Major League Baseball did with winning the division. Now I'm done with that. I just wanted to get that off my chest because I can't believe how dumb so many people are. Like, oh my God, this isn't fair to yes. This isn't fair to TNT. They can all kiss my ass. It's all about winning a championship. That's it. You're not going to tell Steve Nash to worry about a network and worry about some guys and gals who are just looking to be entertained on a Tuesday night. All right. And that, and well, I, I just, just, just real yes. fast. And, that, and that's why as a fan of the team that's in this position, people go, Oh, are you upset with this? Are you upset with this? I don't care. I want to win a title. I've seen so much bad basketball when it's all said and done. I want the nets to be the championship team of the 2020, 21 season. That's what I want to happen. And whatever gets me there is all I care about. Of course. I do not care about everybody else's feelings. They're irrelevant. Irrelevant. No, and our discussion about going for the one seed is very different than everyone else's who aren't net fans. My discussion with you is about, hey, should Kyrie Irving be reinserted into that game when the bench made a great run? Hey, should they have managed KD's minutes against the Minnesota Timberwolves? Because... In my opinion, and this is unrelated to these other arguments, I think being the one seed is a really big help. I think having home court advantage throughout the postseason is an advantage I would want. Avoiding the Milwaukee Bucks potentially, or the New York Knicks, in the second round of the playoffs would seem like a positive thing. That's a debate about the method and what route is better in winning a championship. It has nothing to do with what you owe fans or what you owe TV networks. And that was the side I was on. I I mentioned this to you last week, even before we knew what was going to happen with the Timberwolf game situation where it got postponed and they played it the next day. I thought 
hey, to me, I want my guys playing against the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to beat them. I think the tiebreaker is obviously important. I think the chances of the Nets getting the one seed are basically gone now. They don't have the tiebreaker. Now they're trailing Philly by a couple of games. And to me, when the Nets are up by 30 or 40 against Minnesota, I get KD out of the game. But that's just my philosophy on it. I think being the one seed matters enough where I would have managed things differently And I can't understand that, bro. Like when they're playing Minnesota and I get they're playing KD, they want to get him back in the rhythm. You could have easily gotten away with him only playing 15 or 20 minutes and having him play the following night. And it's as if the Nets were almost saying, nah, we're not even thinking about this. We're going to play him 25, 30 minutes and not even give ourselves the option of playing him against the Sixers. That was bizarre. Uh, There's there's no way to hide from that. You're up 100 million points. And you know that you've got the back-to-back the next day and the Sixers are looming and waiting. Why not pull the plug on him? I mean, it might have to do with something of uh, my under- my my guess would be when you're in the rhythm of the game, you don't want to do 15, 20 minutes. You want to do something that's 30. And that's how they're, you know, revving him up. And that would be the excuse and the answer where they're like, hey, if we do 15 or 20 and then we play the next day. There's a better chance for him to get injured because his body wasn't in the shape that we wanted it. How minutes and things flow. I think that would be the answer. But then you look at tonight or this this afternoon and it gets hurt and it's the first four minutes and it gets a contusion on his leg. So it's like, who the hell really knows? Take him out. Have him play those minutes. The whole fourth quarter was a wash. You could have used those minutes in Philly, and then you saw what happened in the Philly game. They were pretty competitive. They made a good comeback. The bench was very good again. We've seen great improvements from Landry Shamit. Hey, let's go out and try to get the Sixer win. And you know, now it's been like this last couple of stretches of games has just been it's been a wacky, wacky, wacky turn of events for this team that's had a just a weird week to be a Nets fan. Oh, yeah. We haven't even mentioned maybe the weirdest thing that happened this week, which was LaMarcus Aldridge retiring, which came out of nowhere. Oh, my God. I forgot. I know. I'm I'm telling you, this has been yet another weird, wild, bizarre week. And I think you've said this all year. It's a weird season. You know, we're not used to obviously rooting for a basketball team that's 38 and 18, yet we're finding things to bitch about and complain about. But, yeah, just briefly about the LaMarcus stuff, because – I mean, there isn't much to add other than, you know, good for him. Obviously, he's played his entire NBA career with an irregular heartbeat. He's had a tremendous NBA career. Uh, You and I were both surprised in a big way about the signing, but certainly saw how the fit would work. And it it sucks for the Nets that he's not going to be a part of this, but I totally get LaMarcus Aldridge walking away from the game of basketball. Like, I get it. I mean, the guy's played a long career with a regular heartbeat. He's got kids. He has a wife. Uh, I don't blame him at all. It's a big blow to the Nets only because I think they signed him with a view on him playing a very pivotal role on this team. He essentially had buried DeAndre Jordan. Now DeAndre Jordan gets another lease on life. Guy had a great career. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever think of him as a net considering he was here for 35 seconds. But surprising, stunning, but totally get it good for him. Yeah, you have to understand that. Uh, health comes first. He's had an unbelievable career. He's one of the one of the better players in the last 20 years of this league, a perennial all-star, and just uh, surprising to say the least. And I know we had we had heard that he was out for a couple of games because of uh, health issues, non-COVID. So that was kind of a strange thing to hear about to begin with. I didn't give it much thought. I just thought, you know, maybe he's just just sick and you know he's got a cold or whatever it is it never really occurred to me that this would be something that's that serious 
but yeah, he, he's, he made the right decision for him and his family. And then the Nets just have to, you know, have to push forward. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge looked good for those couple of games. Definitely will be a loss on the court, but what are you going to do? He's got to do what's best for him. He's got to do what's best so he can be healthy and live. So it's clearly a no-brainer. And now we got, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan playing spot minutes. If they see the matchup being right, (laughs) they put him in the game. Uh, You know, today versus uh, Miami, we did not see DeAndre Jordan. Uh, We saw him start against Charlotte and was not very good. Uh, so, uh, and then versus Minnesota, he was decent. So it's just going to be one of those things with DeAndre, this game he plays, this game he doesn't, what's the matchup. And I think that's the way the coaching staff will view DeAndre in the nets. Yeah. I, I tell you watching coach Nash's rotations, especially with such a roster that from game to game changes in terms of who's available and who's not available is absolutely fascinating. And the usage of DeAndre Jordan now with LaMarcus Aldridge retiring is also fascinating. One thing that's obvious, and I think this was shown in the Charlotte game, despite the Nets winning the game eventually in a blowout, is when DeAndre starts, he's a big part of the Nets' slow starts defensively. Yep. And that was a common trend when Jordan was starting earlier this season. So, you know, we've talked about starting lineups before. And sometimes I minimize it because, hey, at the end of the day, it's who's closing. It's who's on the floor in the final minutes of games. But what's also significant is you don't want to put yourself in a hole on a consistent basis. And the defensive intensity from the starting five we saw in the game against Charlotte was inadequate. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting how Nash looked at today against Bam, a guy who's destroyed them. And by the way, I do find it funny that we are doing this podcast, recording it on a Sunday night. We've talked about Durant's injury, handling the Philly game, LaMarcus retiring. We're getting into DeAndre Jordan now. We even mentioned they lost at the buzzer to the Miami Heat. Like, that's right. like fifth down the list, which I guess shows you what this season's about right now. I got to be honest. When the shot went in, I was upset. I was disappointed. Me too. I was more like, I see Kevin Durant on the sideline, him and James Harden talking and uh, you know, just just interacting over there. And that gave me more sense of a re- relief than anything that could happen. You know, we could talk about the Kyrie Irving shots down the stretch, took three jumpers, didn't make them. And then the very end, bam, out of bio, making that jumper, which you knew was going in. Uh, to me, it was just like, Durant, I think he's going to be okay. That's all that matters. And this season has just been, for a team that's 19 games over 500, and we're watching one of the best Nets season in their history, it's still been incredibly frustrating. And it's just a weird, <laughs> it's a weird feeling to be this good, but then at the same time being like, they should be better. And well, there's so many injuries. You know what it is? Harden, I guess, saved the ship. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's proof that no matter how good a team you root for actually is, there's always going to be something that bothers you. That's why right. I would actually argue with Met fans when they would tell Yankee fans, hey, stop complaining. You're going to win 100 games. I'd say, listen, no matter how good your team is, there's always going to be something to complain about, you know, and we're certainly yeah. experiencing that right now with the team. I was annoyed that they lost, obviously, but there were a lot of mixed emotions because at that exact same moment, exactly. I have to admit this at this exact same moment, James McCann threw an absolute P to second base uh, and Francisco Lindor tagged out Trevor's story and was pumped as hell. And the Mets won a series against the Colorado Rockies. So it was kind of weird emotions because it was happening at the exact same time. But the other thing that kind of calmed me about the loss is they're not getting the one seed. You know what I mean? Like when they lost to Philadelphia, obviously when they made the decision to, 
not roster Kevin Durant that night. And then Steve Nash not go back to Kyrie Irving when the bench did such a great job of pulling them back in it. Alice Johnson was awesome. Bruce Brown, guys like that. Then they're not getting the one seat. So I kind of look at a loss like this and say, all right, you know, what the hell does it really mean? I mean, I guess the games against the Bucs will be sort of significant because you want to hold on to the two seed, have that home court advantage against them potentially in a second round. But that was the thing that kind of relaxed me more than even seeing KD on the sidelines was just what the hell does all of that mean? But to, to Jordan. So I don't know if you can ever start him now. You know, and I get there are going to be some matchups where you're going to say, hey, I want DeAndre. It makes more sense. It never made sense against Bam. Bam was just going to school him, could beat him on the perimeter, could bully him, could do whatever the hell he wants with him, bring DeAndre onto the perimeter sometimes, and we know how much of a mess he is there. I, I think it's Blake Griffin starting at the five. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go to Nicholas Claxton. They didn't do it today. They started Blake at the five today. I, I think that's what we're looking at. I think DeAndre Jordan, to your point, it's going to be squarely based on the matchups. But the one thing you can't do is start him because the defensive intensity, you put yourself in a hole basically every night when Jordan's starting at the five. I'd love to look back and see, especially in the last month or whatever, of the games DeAndre Jordan starts and what the Nets team was like in a hole. Because that's when Nick Claxton, once they made the deal and Jordan was starting and Jared Allen was gone, you know, Jordan became the full-time starter. And then we started to see more Nick Claxton as he got healthy. And we would see the same trend. Nets down seven, Nets down eight, Nets down 11. Nick Claxton comes in energy, energy, energy. Right. And we saw a difference. I'd love to see what those splits are and how much of that impacts it. But I get confused because as bad as DeAndre has been defensively, and we've seen him with this Nets defense that likes to switch. And when they switch and he's on the perimeter, oh. he's like, eh, I'll hang out at the free throw line. But then we have moments like in the Minnesota game, where he puts together spurts. So I'm like, is is there something left in the tank? He's just not giving effort. What is it there that once in a while, you know, or maybe it wasn't, what was the game where all of a sudden he was coming out on fire? Like, what what is it where every so often you're like, he's got 9 and 11 in the first quarter. Where was that? It's just lucky yeah. teams are missing shots. It, I mean, like, what happens there? I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably a sign of a guy that's washed up, you know, where you get your spurts every once in a while right. of the old DeAndre Jordan. I think we're going to see a lot of Blake Griffin at the five. I was surprised Blake wasn't on the floor on that final possession. My, my one criticism of that final play today, and, and I only bring it up because this is going to be the kind of player that gives them trouble in the playoffs. If they're matched up against Miami, which is a realistic first round opponent. I mean, right yeah. now, if the season ends today, Miami's in the play-in game, and if they win the play-in game, they're playing the Nets. So this very well could be a first-round opponent win. We know the kind of success Bam has had, Bam out of bios had against the Nets in the three games they've played this year. I was a little bothered Kyrie didn't go over quick enough to hit that double because Jeff Green had him. He's defending him. Bam's backing in, and Kyrie almost very casually went over and gave that, like, yeah, I guess I'll put an arm out and you know maybe try to play some defense here. And they kind of backed off, and Adebayo got the shot off. I mean, at that point, especially when the clock's down to two seconds, you got to you got to send the second guy on, bam. You know he's taking the shot. Yeah, I, I, I reli I'm reliving that shot now in my head. And and I guess the fear is, you know, the, how, how well the perimeter players were playing the last couple of minutes, and you get scared of that open jumper there at the end. But for Bam to have a simple seven, eight foot jumper, you know, a little little pull fade there that, that you knew was going in, 
Uh, it just felt like a bad matchup and a bad positioning. And that's where it comes back. That LaMarcus Aldridge coming out will hurt them, you know, hurt them to have a little bit more size. Like he would have given a nice, nice little push on Bam out of bio there. And they don't have that. And, you know, we don't, we, they don't, they don't really have any other center that's available to, to body up guys like that. And, you know, now we're coming up on running out of names, running out of bodies. And this kind of, kind of is what it is. And it's going to be a problem. And then when you don't have Kevin Durant, you don't have James Harden, can't make up for that stuff. And, you know, well, they get a devastating loss versus the Heat in Miami. One guy I'm intrigued by, and I'm not confident enough he's going to be in the rotation once this team is healthy, assuming this ever, assuming ever this team is healthy, is Alice Johnson. I mean, he has been damn impressive. And, mm-hmm. you know, we saw that in the Philadelphia comeback. We saw that. I think he played about 10 minutes today against Miami. I don't know if he's going to have a role, but what he brings is energy. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a jump shot. He can rebound. He can finish around the basket. He he kind of gives him something off the bench. Now, I understand there's only so many guys that can see the floor. I mean, you look at like a night like tonight, once Durant is out of the game, they ended up playing, I'd say, nine guys. And that doesn't include James Harden, who's out. It doesn't include DeAndre Jordan, who, who was riding the pine. So I'm not sure if he can maintain a rotation spot. And even though this may not be the best day to pick on TLC, because he was actually okay today. I think he yeah. hit a three, hit three or five of his shots. Alice Johnson is, he's more than just a piece that maybe can develop the next couple of years. He could be a good energy guy coming off the bench too. I, I, I like what I've seen from him. And the Nets really have a lot of, uh, from the bench perspective, you know, like TLC, a shooter, um, Shamit, a shooter who was excellent tonight. But they don't have that that energy piece. You know, Bruce Brown is an energy piece, but he's a little smaller. Alize, you get something out of him where it feels like he comes in the game and everybody around him starts to bring up their energy level. And that's what you love to see from guys like that. I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. He he started that first game versus or didn't start, but was got involved in that blowout versus Utah and put up like 25 points out of nowhere. But ever since then, he's he feels like he is a guy that can spark the team and give energy when it's needed. And he hit a three tonight, which was really nice to see hit that jump shot. I I've been very impressed with him. There's so many times where he's been around the basket and just like yeah. up little, little, you know, little misses and tip them back in. I feel like he's a nice compliment to what they have a little bigger body than Bruce Brown. And I, I expect him to get some run. I, I see him, Evan, as the guy where it's like, all right, the Nets are down 11. It's 6.02 in the second quarter. Why isn't anything happening? Let's bring in Johnson and see if we can get some energy and flip this game and you get them back going into the third quarter where they're only down three. You mentioned his size. He's six he's six seven. He can rebound a little bit. He does have a three-point shot. I was looking at his G League stats a couple of days ago, and he shot it at like 37%. So impressive from Allison. You mentioned Landry Shamit. We got to... Not mm. not just what he did in the Miami game, but really what he's done over the last month. Because this is a guy who got off to such an awful start. And I remember even bringing this up right after they made the James Harden trade to you. And I said, man, mm. they would have held on to that first round pick. They could have used that instead of Jared Allen. You know, Landry Shamit is shooting 19% from threes, a turnover machine. He has gotten better and better as the months have gone on. And I think what's also been fun about him is he's more than just a guy who can hit threes. Now, he's been hitting his threes at a very high clip. He made seven of them in the Miami game. But Landry Shamit looks like a pretty good little all-around player right now. Yeah, he had the one dunk where he drove baseline, came in with the two-hand slam. He's able to get to the basket. His defense has been good. 
I mean, he is such a nice relief to have somebody out there that can, you know, him and Joe Harris starting to have this like three point sniper, I, you know, mentality. It's been so great to see him finally live up to what we thought we were getting and then get better. And I thought this was interesting. I read this on Twitter. I can't remember who, but like Landry Sham, it's only 24 years old. When Joe Harris came to the Nets and was a project for them, he was 24. So if they can develop Landry Shamit in two, three years, maybe he's more than what he is now as a role player with this championship level team. You know, who, who knows for Landry Shamit? He's still so young at 24 years of age. He's somebody that's going to be very, very important for this Nets team moving forward, especially when they get to the playoffs. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Landry Shamit jumpers miss or go in where they're going to have impact on the game for sure. Yeah, a couple of things from Twitter, a couple of questions. Andrew Scott asked on Twitter, where does Landry Shamit fit in the crunch time rotation? He's been playing so well recently. I think he could potentially be in close games down the stretch over Joe Harris on a fully healthy Nets team. Now, that's the question. A fully healthy Nets team. You know, you've got KD, you've got Kyrie, you've got Harden on the floor. If they're fully healthy, those three guys are closing. Okay, (laughs) who's with them? And my, my knee-jerk reaction to that question, bro, is simply, how's each guy playing that night, exactly. and who are you playing? It's almost going to be a case-by-case basis. Exactly. If Joe Harris is one for seven from three and Shamit's five for six and he's defending and he's active and he's slashing the basket, then you go with Landry Shamit. If Joe Harris is on fire and you like what he's bringing to the team, then you go with Joe Harris. I, don't, I think it's a good problem when you have to decide between two guys like, who the hell cares if it's one guy or the other? And I think both of them right now would say that's the answer. I know they're very ultra competitive, and I know Joe wants to be on the court at all times. But if Landry Shamit's cooking and this is the game where they're trying to win an NBA championship, Joe's going to suck it up and realize, hey, this is what's best for the team to win a title. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. My gut instinct says Joe will be out there. But again, who the heck knows moving forward? It could be any guy. Yeah, that's the thing, man. You know, by the way, when James Harden doesn't play for the Brooklyn Nets, they're 11 and 13. Now, I think it's too late for him to win the MVP, obviously, because he's missing so much time. But it did remind me of something when KD was holding his uh, leg or hamstring or whatever the hell he was holding, the contusion that he got. And that was something I brought up to you in the past. This team is 14 and three, 14 and three when it's just Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And a few people ask me this question, and that is, let's say it's the worst-case scenario for KD, or let's say Durant comes back and gets hurt again. We talked about it earlier. I mean, can he stay healthy for a a two-month period of time in the postseason? Can they win with Kyrie Irving and James Harden as the two stars on this team? I don't think so. I think they need all three. I I think they need all three to do it. I think they would – I think without – KD, my fear would be Harden in a big spot, not enough, and them just getting torched inside by Giannis or getting torched inside by Embiid and not having enough offense to to overdo it. I think they need all three to win the title. I think with two, they're going to be winning a series. They're going to be in the games. It's not like they're going to lose to the Bucks in five, but I, I, I think they need all three to do it. Uh, as much as I want to get tricked by how good James Harden was, to win a championship, to grind out a series, you need all three of these guys there. And that's what they're built for. And that's why they traded their depth. They, they need the three to win the title. Is there any part of you 
after Bam hit the game-winning shot that says, good, stick it to the Knicks. Good. I'm glad Miami got the victory. It crossed my mind. I said, I didn't say stick it to the Knicks, but I did say to myself, at least, at least, at least that the team in the six, seven spot, you know, didn't, uh, didn't it, get too much of a lead. That it, was a, it, you know, but yeah. I was not happy about it. it no, 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 no. And that, that is a joke for anybody listening, obviously. Uh, I had a friend ask me this recently because, I mean, I got to give the Knicks love. They've won six in a row. They're four games yeah. above 500. They've exceeded everybody's expectations. They're clearly a playoff team. And when you kind of look at the hierarchy of the East, certainly they're the three contenders with Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. There's right. a little bit of a, dro- a drop-off, but right now they're right there. I mean, we've played 58 games, and they're a half game behind the Boston Celtics. They're right there with Atlanta. Yeah. So the Knicks deserve a lot of credit. A Nick fan friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, does this piss you off? You know, this is your year. You're having this yeah. great year. You've got a championship contender. Does this piss you off? And I'm going to give you my answer. You tell me, I mean, you may disagree with me. You may feel the exact same way. It, it doesn't as much as one would think, because I know that they're not a championship contender, and I know they're not better. You know, in 2013, they were better. You know, here the Nets were having their first really good year in Brooklyn, their first year in Brooklyn, and there was this jealousy of, yeah, as good as we are, we may win 50 games. The Knicks are a little bit better. Because I know, and everybody knows, I'm not saying anything crazy, that the Nets are better, that, yeah, I mean, let them have their fun. I don't mean to be condescending. Craig will think this is condescending, but let them have their fun because at the end of the day, they're not a threat. So it doesn't really bother me that much. It's funny you bring that up because I had a uh, Nick Fran ask me that. It was actually uh, on Twitter. He's very funny. Uh, Dolan J. Trump. And yeah. he he texted me and he says, how upset are you that the Knicks are winning? And I responded like, of course, I want them to lose. Anybody would want your rival in my mind. That's my rival to lose games. I'm not happy to see them winning. But I think I turned a corner on caring that they're winning as we've gotten to this home stretch, I've accepted the fact that the Knicks are a good basketball team. And now that you can see the regular season ending, this is not early in the year where teams are seven and eight going to eight and nine, nine and eight. This is about the end prize. And it was like the second I saw Kevin Durant go out and get hurt, it was like the anything Nick related didn't matter. And I didn't care at all. I, it was just like, it was all about Kevin Durant and his health and, and, and what are the nets going to be moving forward. And, yeah, I don't want to see the Knicks win. Yeah, it's annoying. But now it's just there's one goal in mind. This is it. We're here. It's mid to end of April. The NBA playoffs are coming in four weeks. We got to worry about health. They There has not been many times in my life where I can say the Nets have a chance to win a championship and we are moments away from it, weeks away from it. So now it's just about the Nets and winning the title. And who the hell knows? Maybe the Nets will see the Knicks in some playoff spot. And then obviously I'll care very deeply about what happens. Yes, that will be a stressful week and a half. No doubt about that. Uh, The Pelicans on Tuesday in New Orleans. They play the Raptors on Wednesday. So Katie's not going to play these games, but he would have missed one of them anyway because it's a back-to-back. And then Friday night at home against the Celtics and Sunday at home against Phoenix. So the schedule rolls on as they continue to play out the string and wait for the postseason to start. It's basically where the season is, and hopefully the news with KD will be good. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.